0: today's episode, I am joined by the amazing Jo Najelski. She is a medium, psychic, and facilitator. So you can only imagine the things that we got up to in this episode, talking about all things spirit, talking about how to connect to your gut and your intuition, and how to let that guide you. We went so off topic. <laughs> because we got so inspired in the moment. We also talk about how important it is to show up with a really great energy when you have readings and what you can do before you have a reading to make sure that you get the best possible outcome. Jo works with spirit to guide people towards their soul's path and merge the realms, heaven and earth. She is such a beautiful person and I feel so blessed to have her on this episode. All right, let's get into it.
1: The
2: podcast Hello, thanks for having me. Of
1: course, I am super excited to have another medium on here so we can talk all things spirit. It's exciting, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, before we start, can you just tell everyone a bit about yourself and like your journey so far? Like, when did you realize that you could connect with spirit and how did you become a medium?
2: Okay, so I am a psychic medium based in the Macedon Ranges of Victoria. Um, When did I find out? So I guess there was some weird stuff that went on in my childhood. (laughs) But at the time, I didn't realize it was unusual. But the more I spoke about it to people, the more weird it came across. So things like dreams actually becoming reality. And the thing with dreams was that everything was happening exactly how I dreamt it. But I knew that it could go a different way. It was just like this knowing that the dream could go a different way and that I had to change something. Um, otherwise, it would flow on as if I was on a different timeline, which I didn't know that's what was kind of happening. Um, and then I kind of called that déjà vu, but when I found out what other people thought was déjà vu, I found out what I was doing was very different. <laughs> yeah. Um so that was all kind of happening in my in my childhood, but I suppressed it because it came across as being weird. And obviously, we all want to conform and be considered normal when we're little. Um. So the more serious signs came through, and when people ask me how do I get into this work, I, I'm always hesitant because my answer, my real answer, is is death. So I lost. Um, a very beautiful lady, my mother-in-law, just after my first son was born. And then I lost a horse that I was deeply connected with um, about 18 months after that. And so essentially it was death. It was me going out seeking answers. It was um, something I'd not, not delved into because I was raised Catholic, went to a Christian school. So all of, you know, speaking to the dead, you know, the spirit world, all that kind of thing was taboo. Um, so it had me asking questions. And the thing with my mother-in-law passing was I had time to discuss with her before she passed how she was going to get signed through to me. I, I was like, if this is a thing, if you're going to be able to communicate with me, how how are we going to do it? And so she said, look, I don't know what I'll be, but I'll make sure I'm, you know, I'm well and truly known. Uh, You'll know it's me. I was like, okay. So she passed away and um, I had the doorbell go off really strangely in my house and I just knew that she was there. Um, And it was just this knowingness of opening the door and feeling something into the house. Uh, And I just knew. And I... This sounds terrible to say out loud, but when she passed, I never felt she was gone. And I know that's – and to say it out loud, and particularly when my, you know, my husband's mourning the loss of his mum, to have that feeling, this knowingness of she's she's so close still. Like I still feel her presence for some reason. Um, and like I said, we just had a baby like 10 days before she passed. or. Oh. Yeah, 10 or 12 days before she passed. And I just feel like she was very much around us still. It was just a knowingness. So, with her passing and her kind of bringing through or making it very, making her presence still very known to me, and then my horse passing, I was seeking answers. I was like, how do these people do it? How do these mediums? Is it all, you know, is it all, oh, what's the word? Is it fake? <laughs> yeah. Is it fake? Can they actually do it? Um, and with no intention of thinking I would be able to do it myself. So all I wanted was answers. Anyway, I signed up for a 5D mini- mediumship course. And by the end of that, I was a practicing psychic medium. <laughs> wow. So it was – oh, it was it, – felt like and probably looked like to other people a midlife crisis um
1: (laughs) a moment (laughs) no
2: oh this girl she's you know she's you know going through trauma and she's seeking answers and now she's like phoenix rising from the ashes thinking she knows all this stuff um so I do feel like a little bit of a lunatic when I go back and step through my my journey I guess
1: yeah how amazing though And the thing is, too, like, I I get asked this all the time, like, are we chosen ones, like, as mediums? Are there only certain people that can do this? Are there only certain people that connect with their loved ones on the other side? And, like, personally, I think, like, I'm not a chosen one. I sort of, you know, I have a really strong intuition, and I wanted to do something about it. Like, we all can connect with our loved ones on the other side. It's just, how much how heavily do you want to and are you willing to put in the time and the work to become a medium like it's a lot do you find the same thing do you have the same perspective
2: yeah totally so it's it's a drive you've got to have a drive because otherwise um you you won't see the point you won't be invested you'll and you'll fall out of it if you're not invested in it you'll go into it and then you'll fall out of it just as quickly as you fell into it and you will have wasted your time even dabbling in that space um oh what was i going to say oh and there's a um there's a card from the oracle deck the Gaia oracle that uh for me really kind of stuck out was and it's called a jewel within a teardrop and that kind of perfectly explained it for me so it was I went through heartache and trauma of losing loved ones but then I untapped this ability to help other people through their trauma and their healing and their journey so and I guess that card I just want to make a point of, of bringing that card up because I just feel like that perfectly articulates how it has felt for me in in the first years of my work
1: Yeah. And I agree in terms of you often find that the mediums that you go to see and, you know, all healers, really, a lot of us have a lot of trauma that we've dealt with. We've experienced a lot of loss. And I feel like the reason, as you said, that we find this sort of work that we're doing is because we are seeking answers and we want to heal and we're not afraid to. I think that's the difference. Like if you want to become a light worker or a healer, you can't be afraid of going into the depths of your soul and feeling that and dealing with that and healing that to the best of your ability because I honestly believe that you can't be in this space and be a light worker if you haven't done the work yourself because you won't be able to recognize in others the work that needs to be done for them because you can't even recognize it in yourself. So it's very much like you've got to do your own shit be able to help heal others um and yeah i always find that when i'm reading a lot of my symbology and the the way that i feel is like i get triggered sometimes i'm like oh i'm like you're me like three years ago what would i have wanted to hear back then what do i need to hear back then and that's what i think makes a really amazing medium the fact that you can pick up on these things and really just give them what they need in the moment with spirit's help i guess
2: And you can really unpack it as well. You're not just going, you're not skimming the surface. You can get right into it and really allow someone to feel seen and heard and validated as opposed to this, 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 this has happened. You can really go really deep and, yeah, it's that feeling of allowing your your sitter to, to really feel like someone's heard them and someone sees them in that space where they are right now or where they were.
1: Yeah, 100%. And a lot of the time I'll have someone message me and be like, oh my God, Jess, like that reading that we just did, it was almost like you live in my mind or you live in my house. (laughs) It was so weird. And I'm like, yeah, because spirit know what you need to hear. They need, like you needed validation in that moment that for one thing, it's okay to feel what you're feeling. You're not crazy and that you will get through it. And this is just a moment in time. So it's super fascinating that we that we connect similar (laughs) as mediums. Yeah, Um,
2: And as you say that, What I find is really interesting and it's really important for people to know when they're going and finding a psychic or a medium to go to someone they're drawn to because spirit will draw you to the reader that is right for you. So a reader that maybe has similar circumstances, similar history, similar frames of reference. So they can really bring through the messages that you need to hear in that moment as opposed to saying, hearing from someone else, oh, this person was really good, but you just don't feel like you gravitate towards them. You're simply going to them because you heard that they were good. So I feel like the intelligence of spirit is so powerful. And like you said, to be able to really get inside someone's head uh, to bring through those messages, I feel like that's part us and a massive, you know, part of spirit for being able to pair us up with, you know, those clients that really need to, hear from spirit through the right person.
1: Oh, a hundred percent. It's so weird. It's not weird. It's not a coincidence. I was literally <laughs> talking about this like an hour before this call with another medium. She contacted me and she's like, oh my God, Jess, like sometimes do you have circumstances where you can't read for someone and you sit there and you're doing all the right things and spirit is showing up, but it's just not hitting it or it's just not flowing. Not or it just feels weird. And she's like, because I don't really feel like anyone else experiences this. And I'm like, hang on. I'm like, every medium will tell you that there have been people that they just can't read for. It is so normal. And it's because not every medium is for you. Like you said, you know, not everyone's going to hit the nail on the head. Not everyone's going to vibe with you in that moment. And that's why I'm with you. You have to feel drawn to someone and really allow your gut and your intuition to sort of lead the way otherwise you're and you also have to be open now this is another thing because I saw one of your posts and I reposted it because I freaking loved it it was all about how you show up to a reading like make sure you show up with an open mind and an open heart and just sort of really open to whatever comes through in the moment rather than trying to direct it so can you just tell me a bit about that post that you did and where you sort of came from with that
2: yeah, so that came off the back of exactly the example that you had, what you said, in terms of I, I'm i not perfect, I don't make a connection with absolutely every person that sits with me for a reading, and I'm extremely transparent. If the reading's not working, I will say to the person, something's not working today. Let's either try another day, or maybe I'm just not the right reader for you. So ethically, I will not charge anyone for a reading that is not working Um, and I'm always very transparent about that Um, but it's a two-way street so a reading is very much a conversation like when when you come for a reading with me it's a conversation and when it's a conversation so I exchange um, energy and my voice and I'm giving information to you to to the sitter um, or my client and when they talk it's not that I'm listening to what they're saying but that exchange of energy just starts flowing and everyone thinks, you know, people that are trying to debunk it will be say, oh, they got a piece of information from that person, you know, now they can just rattle off whatever they want that kind of fits the bill a little bit. But it doesn't, for me, it doesn't work that way. As soon as someone else starts talking, the channel just goes boom and just opens up so Broadly, and then information starts flowing in. So I'm not even fully listening to what they're saying because I'm absorbing what's coming in from spirit. So it's quite the opposite. You're not really listening to what they're saying. You're absorbing what spirit's bringing forward for you because you're like, oh, while they're doing this, I can, I can really make a strong connection here. So that's really, I find that really important, that energy exchange. If someone is sitting back and... Uh, is really critical or is trying to debunk my ability to connect with spirit, they're just doing themselves a disservice at the end of the day because I'm at a point where I've put boundaries in place where if it's not working in the first 10 minutes, I'll put a stop to it because it's not worth my energy energetically it gets clunky. It gets difficult, and it's draining. It's draining for the reader. Um, and so I won't, I won't proceed on that basis. I'll just we can try another day, or we can, um, we can just find another reader. Like whatever other reader that you gravitate towards might be a better reader for you. But in saying that, so particularly with mediumship, obviously grief is a very dense energy. So I personally recommend to people if you are still in the thick of grief, like you've just lost someone, it may not be the right time to come for a reading. So I encourage people to allow themselves time to process it, to sit with it, to feel all the emotions before coming for a reading. To allow them to be as open as possible to the experience. Um, because if you're coming in with so much desperation and, you know, you might be even coming from a really dark place, that is a really difficult energy for spirit to connect in with. So just to give a little bit of a deeper explanation, when we connect into spirit, we have to raise our frequency. We have to be in quite an elevated state, like higher than what we usually would be. So it's like... If we're dancing, having good time out partying, and we're in this really, you know, euphoric kind of state, uh, we need to be in that state so spirit can lower their frequency and kind of meet us there because they are really high frequency beings, um, so we can communicate. So I always ask people to not come while they're in the thick of grieving if they can get out for a run or a walk or star jumps or a dance or something before they're coming for their reading. And like you said, open mind, open heart. Don't try and dictate the outcome of the reading before it's happened. So, and by that I mean don't come in saying, okay, you know, mum, if you are in spirit, I want you to bring through this, this, this and this because you are putting – Something that can't be shoved in a box in a box. <laughs> and I always say spirit with the, the greatest need will come through. So you've never got a guarantee either um, of who's going to come through. And if you just go into it openly, if perhaps you send set an, a very open intention about what you want that outcome of your reading to be or how you'd like to feel at the end of it, um, I would say that would be a better path to go down as opposed to having a checklist of, you know, I need this person, this reader to touch on this, 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 and this, and then I'll believe what she has to say.
1: <laughs> oh, 100%. And I agree so much with the conversation and the flow. Like I always say before I start my readings that the more that our conversation flows throughout the experience, the more that spirit just tends to flow with us. And I accept the scene because I'm like, if I, like, even the way that, a lot of um, readers are taught in the beginning. It's like, you know, we want yes, no, maybe answers from our sitter or our client, whatever you want to call yourself. Um, and I just find that that just stunts so much flow for me. Like, I really love the best readings that I have are the ones that, like, we just get into it straight away and we feel the flow and we're both vibing and then we, like, we have all the emotions under the sun. You know, we might be laughing and then we're crying and then we're, we're serious. And then, you know, that's just the dance of spirit. And I kind of like to just go with the dance. Like we just allow things to go where they need to go. And usually you get exactly what you need. But I've I've had circumstances where people are like, okay, can you just give me a name or can you just give me an age or can you just tell me like their nickname? And I'm like, um, look, I can try, but spirit do what they want. <laughs> I don't have control over this. I get what I get in the moment. And like for me personally, I'm not really big with names. That's probably something that I haven't really like tapped into enough. So for me, if someone asks me for that, it's probably going to be really hit and miss. Whereas if you ask me for something else that's to do with, you know, what they like to do or like my strengths and areas that like are really um an area of mediumship that I've really mastered, then you're probably going to get a better outcome. So I'm like, don't come with such a closed mind. Like you're actually coming into something that's so open-minded and so left field and you're trying to make it black and white. (laughs) It's like, it just doesn't work that way. Um, So in terms of um, intuition, because I really want to talk to you about this. This has been on my mind, like trusting your gut, trusting your intuition. And I'm interested to see how you define intuition and how, like what advice you give to people in terms of how to tap more into that.
2: Um, kind of space okay so I would say and this is my interpretation that your intuition it's like a fleeting thought or a knowingness that has no emotion attached to it it's almost this feeling and you're not sure why you feel it or how you feel it it's just there and it doesn't have any fear attached to it or any judgment or anything like that it's almost like just a knowingness that you kind of well for me it's a knowingness everyone absorbs information through their intuition differently but for me it's a knowingness of if something is going to happen or it has happened or I shouldn't do something I've made plenty of mistakes along the way not listening to my intuition but uh, I'm a lot more in check with it now and I feel like that has a lot to do with My living environment, Um, becoming a mum was a big one. Mother's intuition was huge for me and that's probably where things took off uh, because that whole – so this I'm I'm in my fourth pregnancy at the moment and with each one, my intuition has gotten stronger and stronger and more refined. But also while that's all kind of happened – We've moved house from – and these are all very, you know, circumstantial situations, you know. It's obviously very much our decision to have children us deciding where we live, but I do feel like these helped me. Um, so I we used to live in suburbia Melbourne. And from moving there to a regional town in Victoria, instead of driving down a suburban street um, that is lined with houses – we now drive through pretty much bushland and um, as state forest to take our son to school and things like that, and that has a huge impact on my my mental like mindset, I guess. Even driving through the city, I don't get anxious about it. I just feel yuck. And I'm just like, yeah. oh, I just want to get home. <laughs> and so <laughs> shopping centres and busy places I don't vibe with anymore. Um, I would have, you know, go nightclubs and going to busy shopping centres, you know, 10, 15 years ago wouldn't have been an issue, but now avoid it like the play. Um, but going back to intuition for just kind of really grounding yourself, uh it's all the stuff that we have so much trouble finding time to do. And so whether it's sitting down and doing like mindful colouring or going and just walking around your garden and getting your bare feet on the grass and just leaving your phone inside or going for a walk out in nature and doing things that are quiet where you're listening to the birds, you're listening to the trees, uh, nature's a huge one for me. Yeah. Um, So I feel like all those things kind of help you tune into your intuition and they're they're easy if you can make yourself go out and do them. Uh, It's the same with meditation, like sitting quietly or doing a guided meditation even. I find that that's really helpful but it all takes some kind of form of dedication. You need to be able to put your phone down. Like I feel like we live in a world of distractions and brick buildings and concrete walls and all these kind of things where we build all these walls around us and there's so much noise and traffic that and it's so in your face that it's very hard to sit those things behind you and and just focus on yourself which I feel like moving to a regional town that's what helped me a lot not being surrounded by constant busyness Um, but an example of intuition or a gut feeling and this is a terrible example but it's one that's very recent for me so we have we had a dog um a dalmatian he was nine years old and since the start of the year i just had a knowing i'm like we're gonna lose him this year something's happening to him this year and it's a terrible thought to feel that you're you're gonna lose your dog and I didn't tell anyone about it, like, what a mortifying thing to hear, like, for my husband to hear from his wife that the dog's going to die this year. Like, who thinks like that? Mm. And so I suppressed it. Well, I didn't suppress it. I tried to push it back. I was just like, nope, don't want to feel it, don't want to feel it, don't want to know about it. I just don't want to think about losing him. Like, I had him for nine years, love him to pieces. And sure enough, um, diagnosed with prostate cancer and unfortunately, couldn't have, wouldn't have had a very good prognosis with operation and things like that. So we did lose him. Um, but that was an example of intuition. There was no emotion. I wasn't distressed about feeling that way. It obviously didn't feel nice, but it wasn't distressing. It was just a knowingness that I'm, we're not going to get out of this year with with him with us. Um, but that's not to say all intuition and gut feelings morbid. <laughs> like it's. Um, It's our soul allowing us or our soul directing us to, you know, what our purpose is or to protect us. Um, So I just feel like it plays an important role and the more we can connect in with it, the more we can connect in with it, the more that floods in. And I feel like with my dog passing, I'll probably get into this a bit later in our discussion, um, I feel like he was a valuable lesson that I actually needed to learn as well.
1: Yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry you lost him. We lost um, our dog, Apron, and I got, you got a lot more notice than I did. (laughs) So our dog had um, kidney disease. So we knew for 18 months that she wasn't well. Um, but I had Jade's dad come to me from the spirit world about a week before, um, she passed away and he sort of showed me what was going to happen when she was going to pass. And I was like, hang on. I'm like, she's not dying." And he's like, yeah, this is what it's going to look like. She's going to come from behind you. And I'm going to like, you know, call her name and pat her head. And then we're going to walk away. And he showed me, he was with, um, Jade's sister's dog who'd also passed. So she was going to go with them. And, and I literally was prepping for a reading when he showed me this. This is right before I was about to read for someone. Oh, I was like, timing, seriously. And I was like, beside myself, I'm like, nah, this is not happening. And I was so apprehensive to tell Jade. I'm like, oh my God, I think Apen's going to die. And um, she declined over that week. And yeah, she passed away. And I was like, in that moment, I was kind of angry. I was like, oh, like, you know, why did you show me that? But in a way, it was sort of comforting in knowing that I knew what was going to happen. Like as soon as she passed, I was like, Jade, remember what he showed me? This is what just happened. Like we have to think about that. And so it was almost a blessing in it. So there was nothing I could do about it. I couldn't change it. I just sort of knew. And I guess it made me feel, it's weird. It's sort of like comforting. And I don't feel as though I grieved her As deeply as what I would have if I hadn't have seen that. And I had to keep explaining it to Jade because she didn't see it. And I'm like, if you saw what I saw, you would know. And like, it wouldn't feel so terrible as like, you know what I mean? Like, it's so hard to explain, but you just know where they are.
2: Yeah,
1: 100%.
2: I had something happen just after our dog passed. So literally, sorry, on the day. So two, three things, sorry, happened. I've got young children. My daughter is, uh, when he passed, he, she was three. So he'd passed. Um, we were going to the vets for us just to say goodbye. Um, like he'd already passed away, but I just wanted to explain to the kids because I've got young children just, you know, he's, his spirit has left his body was essentially what I was trying to to teach them. Mm-hmm. Um, that while his body was still here, that his his spirit had gone, and it was still very much around us. Anyway, so we were. I went. We went and picked up my eldest son from school. We're in the car. He was upset because he wanted to go get an ice cream with a voucher um, that he got from school. We said we're going to see the dog, so he was upset about that. Um, me and my husband were upset about the dog, and then my daughter chimes in and says, "It's okay, mum. Buddy's with nanny." And so nanny's my husband's mum who's in spirit, and I was just like, that is phenomenal. So we go, we say, oh, it was just <laughs> out of this world. It was just like exactly what we needed to hear because he literally only passed like an hour before. And so we went, we went and said our farewell. Um, and I do, I'm constantly doing development and trying to strengthen and stretch in terms of my ability to connect with spirit. And so the following day I I was doing a development class and so someone else was reading for me doing training and the first thing she brought in was i have seen this mother figure so I knew as soon as she says mother figure, I knew it was my mother-in-law and she said she's got the dog. <laughs> I was just lost it, bawling my eyes out because it was just exactly what I needed to hear that she had the dog and even though it may have seemed like the vaguest piece of information, it is absolutely what I needed to hear with pinpoint accuracy in that moment. So that came through. That was the first thing that came through in that class for the day. And then we got him cremated. And the day I went to pick up his ashes was, oh, I think it was like six weeks later or something. And I was doing development again, but with a different group of people. And we were doing remote viewing. So we were practising walking through each other's houses with remote viewing and the first thing she said she goes I opened the door so I picked up the ashes earlier that day she goes I opened the door and this bouncy dog he's come straight up to me and I was like oh because I was always saying you know we've got to go pick him up we've got to bring him home and that was just complete validation for me that he'd come home that day it was just amazing so The intelligence of spirit is just phenomenal. And that information wasn't, you know, it wasn't his colour, it wasn't his age, it wasn't his name or any of that. It was just these things that had happened that the person reading for me had no idea that I had lost my dog. But it just made absolute sense to me in that moment. And that's where I guess that being open, having open mind, open heart, so those really beautiful messages can come in. It's not all about getting pinpoint accuracy on age, date of birth, date of passing. They're all great, but if you can get that really beautiful connection first, generally, or well, sometimes that information will come in later in the reading because the connection's so flowy and amazing and and beautiful.
1: Oh, I agree 100%. That is so amazing. And now that you're talking like more about your kids, so how do you um, incorporate like spirituality into your life and into your house? Like are they quite open anyway? Is it like the norm to talk about it or like how does that all sort of work?
2: Uh, it is the norm to talk about it. Um, I always, I've always got it in the back of my mind like what does my son say at school? Um, like how much <laughs> of this information goes on to school? Um, we encourage our children or we don't, encourage it but we don't discourage when they say they're talking to their nanny um so my three-year-old daughter she definitely blurs the lines between having discussions with her nanny in spirit and then just saying that nanny said she can have ice cream um
0: (laughs) (laughs) so she's definitely
2: playing yeah she's (laughs) like sometimes it's usually just before bed that she gets really kind of clear, concise messages. It's like she's gone a bit vacant in her mind and it's just you can kind of get a better sense of her channeling. My my eldest son, I feel like he is quite intuitive, mm. Um, doesn't like the dark, doesn't like being alone. So he's definitely sensing other things in his environment but very much doesn't want to be a part of it. Um, But, yeah, we're very open talking about spirit, what happens when... Um, when we pass away and they've asked what the spirit world is like, I've made mistakes by saying it's amazing, you can have chocolate, and then they're like, oh, we can't wait to get to the spirit world. It's like, well, let's not hasten <laughs> that process.
1: Um, oh, that's so funny.
2: <laughs> yeah, but we're very open about it. Um, And my husband, who doesn't dabble in this kind of space at all, he is very open to it as well in terms of he... Um, not humans, the children. I wouldn't. Humans is not the right word to use, but he allows them to talk openly about if they're having chats with their nanny or what happens to us when we pass away. Um, yeah, I feel like I feel like they're incredibly connected and level-headed about it, uh, and they probably feel. Very different to what I felt growing up. Like, I was taught about heaven and hell and feared for my, my, the rest of my being, maybe going to hell because I did the wrong thing. Yeah. You know what I I mean? the
1: same. Like, I was raised Catholic, went to Catholic primary school, like, you know, really Catholic family. And, you know, for me, like, I fucking busted all the rules. (laughs) Like, fucking, if there's heaven (laughs) and hell, I'm gone. (laughs) You know, I'm with a woman. Like, I, you know, I connect with spirit. I do all the wrong things. So I'm just a really bad girl.
2: Yeah,
1: there's
2: no no amount of confession that's going to save you, dear.
1: Nah, it's (laughs) over. (laughs) But you know what I like too, that like spirit have their own, um, I guess they have their own plan for us. And we kind of land wherever we're supposed to. And like I always say this, like I studied psychology I thought I was going to be a psychologist. I'm like, can't handle people's grief. I don't know how I'm going to deal with that. And then fast forward, I'm doing it but in a totally different way, but so authentic to me and this feels good, whereas that didn't feel good. So they were kind of like, oh, psych, you're going to end up doing it anyway, but just in a different way and at a time where I was ready. So it all kind of works out the way that it's supposed to with anything that we do, I believe.
2: That's fascinating that you went from psychology of helping people deal with grief to a much more, you know, which you're obviously helping people, but to shift into this work, which is much lighter and like it obviously does come with, you know, some heaviness, but it's lighter and it's healing. And you can provide like healing in a much shorter kind of span of time, if that makes sense, as opposed yeah. to years of therapy.
1: And it's not textbook. It's like nothing about it. I do not control any reading I do. Like I can sometimes try and direct it maybe to a person or maybe an area of your life, but I don't know what is going to come out of my mouth half the time. And I find after nearly every reading, spirit almost like wipes my mind. Like I can't remember a lot of the stuff that I've said to my clients. And even when I read for them again, I'm like, bear with me because I might be channeling the same person and it's all new information to me. Do you find yeah. you the same thing, That afterwards you can't go a bit blank?
2: Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. So beforehand, there's no amount of homework. Like you can't do any homework for a reading. So people think you are going and looking up information about someone. There is no point because uh, it hinders your ability to connect with spirit. And this is what I say to people so close to me. It's really hard for me to read for people I know because I've got a preconceived idea of who they are, their life, what's going on for them. And I i have to work 10 times harder to shut off what I know about that person to allow spirit to come through. Not to say I can't do it. I can do it. It's really hard and energetically it feels like I've run a marathon compared to reading for someone I don't know. And I'm just, it's so much easier and clearer because I know what belongs to me and what belongs to spirit in terms of what information is coming through. But I'm exactly the same if it's like phenomenal readings will always be so flowy, so much will come in and it's this feeling for me of being in a euphoric state and when I come out of it, I'm just like, what happened? <laughs> and people yeah. might say to me or message me afterwards like, oh, you said this, this, this and this and they want to validate it for me, I'm like, no recollection of that even coming up in the reading. And it's just like you don't <laughs> want to be rude. It's just like... I don't remember what I said. Yeah.
1: So it's I always take so notes like because we
2: won't remember.
1: <laughs> no, it's so true. Like I, I do find that like there might be little pieces that you remember, but as a whole, like you read for so many different people, and I try to. I think it's also nice. Now I'm thinking about it. It's that you're you're in this sacred space, so you're open, you're vulnerable. I'm hearing things and sensing things that are like the depths of your soul. And I kind of think it's nice for people to know that I don't carry that with me. I'm not thinking, oh, my God, like that person was really upset or that person's really grieving. and It's not gossip to me. It's like that's someone's soul I'm tapping into. So, of course, it makes sense that spirit go, okay, now we're going to wipe that from you because that's not yours to carry. And that's not for me to judge or to think anything of that so it's kind of nice I like it and I think people would like to know that too that I don't remember a lot of the stuff because I'm not you know it just doesn't happen (laughs) it's like yeah but in knowing you can be safe with me because I'm not gonna hold it against you or think anything of it like I'm a safe space
2: yeah and you literally leave that information with them and that's Mm. really interesting um how you said about creating that sacred space and as you were saying that I was just getting this this feeling of um, just so many people want to record readings not everyone but there's a lot of people that still want to record their readings which is fine I don't mind people doing but I feel like being caught up in the reading and the feeling and that sacred space the the reading will always feel different and more connected and more. Um, what's the word? Just it will feel like a more beautiful environment than listening to a recording back. I agree. so yeah so and I've I've been guilty of this myself having you know recorded readings for my own development, um, listening to them back. It's like that is not how it felt. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's really important to not re-listen. If you've recorded it, it's fine, but not re-listen to it over and over and over again. But just try and hold on to the feeling of that was created in that space when your loved one was there with you. I think is really important.
1: Yeah, I agree too. It's like in that moment you actually have their soul like going through you, and you feel their energy, and you feel the intenseness. You get the goosebumps. You feel all the things. And then afterward, it's kind of like, yeah, like watching a movie. (laughs) It's like, you're not actually in there, you're just observing. So it's a totally different kind of energy. So I tend to agree with that. Um, One of the things I wanted to ask you, um, so in terms of like your journey, like what is one of the biggest lessons that you've learned and like that you can share with us that maybe, you know, we might be struggling with something right now and it might be something that we could learn from you oh
2: the lessons <laughs>
1: <laughs> let's and, go deep <laughs> yeah.
2: well I suppose it goes back to you say, like you mentioning you have to do the work yourself um you have to do the work yourself you want to you need to be facing your own you know crap that's going on in your own life as opposed to putting a blanket over it like pretending it doesn't exist like using the veil of Instagram to make everything look rosy behind that. You do need to be doing the work. And for me, uh, there's been, there's probably been three really big things. Um, And I feel like one of them, I just like boundaries. I never had boundaries before. I didn't know they existed. I was a people pleaser. I, I just gave so much of myself to other people and would often run empty, uh, didn't feel like I was worthy of of anything for myself, if that makes sense, like I wasn't worthy of saying no to people or protecting my own energy. Uh, and so that's been a huge one in terms of identifying trauma that has happened in my childhood that made way for me to not, feel like I could have boundaries and to that feeling of unworthiness all from childhood so that was a huge one that I had to face and it highlighted for me when I went through that particular um checkpoint <laughs> we can put it like that um I realized there was certain people that would trigger me and I had always thought they were the problem, they were the problem, like this is their personality and that, you know, why are they like that? And then once I realized it was all about my boundaries and not feeling heard, I realized it was their personality that felt like an attack on me. And so then I was like, my anxiety around that person would just be heightened. So I finally realized that in any situation where I don't feel like someone's hearing me or that I'm not worthy of having an opinion in a certain space that I think I should. Like I see those scenarios very differently now and now I can kind of protect myself by putting boundaries in place where I say, no, I'm not going to put myself in situations where I don't feel like I'm going to be heard uh, or that I feel like... um, there's there's really strong egos that are just gonna try and make me feel small and that kind of thing so that was boundaries is huge and yeah that not feeling worthy was that was oh uh, that was a huge one to overcome like constantly being well I'm one of eight kids so trying to feel um appreciated in a big family or that you, make a difference and that kind of thing is really hard. That's really hard to be seen in a big family. Yeah. Um, it's just the dynamic and well the dynamic that that I felt. And then going and working in a corporate environment where um I guess I was treated in a way that I accepted and I shouldn't have because of my lack of boundaries and that made me not feel worthy. But having now stepped into this space, I do feel worthy. I know the value of my time. Um, Like so much has shifted. There's a lot more to shift. (laughs) The journey keeps going. But uh, it's just I think it's important to understand that when we're triggered by something, and we're like, this person's causing it, or this person's a problem that we're gonna. And I've been guilty of not doing this, but we're gonna be so quick to put the mirror up and be like, "What's going on for you? <laughs> like, why? Why do you see that in this person? Like, what's that triggering in you? Because it's the issue is you. It's not not the other person. So.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think sometimes people trigger things in us as a um as a favour is what I like to see or what I like to say about it. So, yeah, I'm with you. I'm the same self-worth, boundaries. Like it's been a huge part of my journey and um, I'm definitely putting a lot of those things in place. So we are so similar. It's actually just it blowing my mind this whole conversation. But I myself. must admit, <laughs>
2: yeah, you know, Mira. Um, I know. And I must admit since doing the work and identifying this stuff if I hadn't gone down this like spiritual kind of path I probably would never have gotten to that place I don't think any amount of therapy sessions would have brought that to the forefront with me but actually doing um doing just a couple of sessions with you know um people that work in the healing space really brought this to light very quickly um Like I'd had anxiety for a long time but no one had been able to pinpoint where that was coming from and it was like having to repeat myself over and over and over to the therapist and disclaimer, you know, go seek medical help if you need medical help. (laughs) But for me, it didn't work and going down this journey, I was able to like tidy up these shadow areas so like so quickly compared to all the work I tried to do in the past and now I just feel like my life is so much more harmonious since being able to say, oh, that issue was me and I actually can control that going forward.
1: Yeah, I love that. I love your perspective. All right, before we go, I have some random asked questions for you that are from Jade. Okay. <laughs> Fucking hell. Okay, Bless your him. first question is sandwich, wrap, bagel or roll, and what are you
0: putting in it?
2: Oh, I'm a wrap and I'm putting, I'm the plainest uh, diet person ever. <laughs> There's nothing fancy <laughs> in my diet. Uh, but it'd be like a chicken schnitzel, lettuce, tomato, cucumber, and either like a Caesar dressing or ranch. <laughs> I
1: love it. <laughs> so random. All right. If a, If a rock can roll, what does a stone do?
2: Well, if a rock can roll, well, yeah, well, that makes me think Rolling Stones. <laughs> okay,
0: no. That's what
1: I thought of too. I'm like, what does a stone do?
2: Stone, it tumbles, I guess. Tumble, tumble, stone, tumble, crystal.
1: <laughs> I like that. I actually really like that. Okay, your last question: Would you rather have lemon juice in your eye, in a paper cut, or on a rash?
2: Oh, uh, in my eye. in my eye. <laughs> I've done that plenty of times having tequila shots in the past, so oh I feel like goodness. I can handle that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that is too funny. All right. Well, where can people find you and how can people connect with you?
2: So I am at uh, www.joethemedium.com.au or on Instagram at joe underscore the medium.
1: I love it. Well, everyone, connect with Jo. She is so awesome. And thank you so much for being here today.
2: Oh, my pleasure. I've had so much fun.
0: Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Talk Spirit to Me. If you love the podcast and want to continue to support it, the best thing that you can do is to share it. You can also follow it and rate it wherever you listen to your podcasts. We love hearing from you guys, so please keep those reviews coming. Are you wondering what the hell you just listened to? Tune in next time for answers from Spirit or follow me on Instagram at JessicaLynnMediumShip.